This episode is brought to you by Blizzard. Play Diablo 4 free during the open beta weekend. Only you can stand in the way of the forces of hell. Play free March 24th to 26th and pre-purchase for early access. Journey through the entire first act. Battle up to level 25 as all five classes. Adventure with your friends in four-player co-op. Descend into hell early during the open beta. Pre-purchase Diablo 4 now. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Oh, man, I screwed up the intro text. <laughs> oh, crap. Okay. Well, welcome to Divots and Pivots. This is episode three, guys. And we got the Pebble Beach Pro-Am this week. Pebble Beach, one of these historic courses on the PGA Tour. Always a fun time. Always got the weather involved. Always got the, you know, putt towards the ocean. Everything's going that way. So we're going to have some fun with this this week. Joining me this week, we have Bo McBriar. AKA Bo McBigTime on Twitter. Uh, and we're also joined by Bud Copeland. This Bud's for you on Twitter. So, what's going on, guys? Bo, let's start with you. How, how's your night going? Pretty good. Just kind of winding down. I'm, I'm here on the West Coast. I'm probably a two, two and a half hour drive from Pebble Beach itself. So, um, it, I've been to the Pro Am. It was a long, long time ago, <laughs> back when VJ Singh was one of the best golfers in the world. And he was dueling with Phil Mickelson. That's pretty much the group I, I went to Spyglass when they were doing, when Spyglass was like, I mean, Poppy Hills was still in the rotation when I was going to the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. So, oh, geez. Uh, we went to, we went to Poppy, we went to Spyglass, and of course we went to Pebble Beach. Uh, and uh, it was, it was an awesome experience. Just my dad and I, I think I was 13. That was 20 years ago. And um, it's a magical tournament. I mean, it's for, for, all kinds of different things that they like to do on the PJ tour to spice things up for the West coast swing. It's still unique. You have the celebrities coming back out this year. That's, it's going to be fun. Um, the best in the world. Some of them are here. It's, it's, it's back to how it used to be because we went a long time there where the best in the world kind of skipped Pebble beach. Cause it's not like your, it's not like your championship run course unless it's for the U S open anymore. Yeah, Pebble Beach definitely one of the like if you're just a casual golf fan or just someone who's even flipping the channels, you hear Pebble Beach and you're like, okay, I know that course. Like that's definitely one of the the most known courses in the world. And then Bud, welcome to the Sir. show, first time appearance. What's going on with you? How are you doing? I'm doing phenomenal. Keeping it real, one day at a time. I love Pebble Beach for all the reasons y'all stated. Uh, a little throwback to the Tiger Woods EA Sports days. I think that's where yeah. everybody everybody gets their first taste. You get you know. When you're watching on TV and then you finally get you get your hands dirty with it. So I love that you said when you were 13, you went and you, you went out to the tournament with your old man. Um, and you said that was the VJ Phil. That's I mean, that's my era. If I took my hat off, you yeah. can see my hairline and know, know what I'm getting <laughs> at. But uh, what I mean, was I think the, it's all I mean, ours, but 
<laughs> it's it's funny how fast that happens too. I just have good hair. What can I say? <laughs> and I still remember it so vividly that I that I feel like it was a less less than twenty years ago, but it definitely was. I, I still have the the program uh, <laughs> I saved for from that from that tournament, and so yeah, it, it was to, over twenty years ago, and it makes me feel extremely old. That's awesome. It gets That's easier. Cool. Trust me. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. So, look, so we, what we got on tap for you guys today is we're, we're going to talk some DFS angles about who you can play, who you can fade. Uh, but we're also just going to have some fun talking about golf, talking about some of our own experience, uh, some of the strangest things we've had happen to us in the golf course, some of the coolest places we've played. So, you know, we're just going to kind of chill. It's 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 uh, it's the evening right now. I you know it's a little different for Boa on the West Coast, but for right now, it's just kind of a chill night. So, uh, so we're going to get this. So, but what I want to get to is that. So we were just talking about a question. Right before we came on, I wanted to just jump into that before we get off topic. So, but you had a question for for Bowen. I'd I'd love for you to ask ask it again right here to start us off. Oh, I mean, you could say it's the first pivot of the show, but <laughs> after the intro, we're pivoting once again. Yeah, no, my bad. <laughs> Ninja, please. It, it, we're 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 early. If I had if, the Twitter gonna, handle right, <laughs> that's all that matters. Like and follow. Um, no, we were talking about how the game has changed because. As you'll find out over the next hour uh, or however long this thing this this ship stays afloat, One hour. there's a there's an array of the approaches to fantasy, and I'm still of the quote unquote old school because I got a toddler and other you know it's only so much RAM upstairs that I'm still picking by my gut or storylines or everything like that. But Bo made a really good point. He was saying you know that that did work for a while, and oh yeah, the throwback days of just read a little bit more than the next guy, or if you just had that one tip, or if you happen to met, you know, be on the message board at the right time, you could get that. And Bo was saying that's no longer the edge. You know, you, you, you have to find something different. Uh, what, what did you mean by that, Bo? What was that like for you, you know, getting started, getting into the game of fantasy and then getting good, but then realizing, Oh geez, the game's changed. And in, in, in different sports, it, it changes, it changed at different times. Like as a sport becomes more popular for DFS for fantasy, like football, of course, is the big one. Like it, it hit hard when it when it went big, it went huge. And fantasy football is humongous. And the edges, if, especially in the DFS realm where I live, most of the time, the the edges are so complicated. It's really really tough to win the big bucks. Your your odds of winning have gone down so far, and we're starting to see that with the NBA. We're starting to see that with uh, with um, baseball, and we're definitely starting to see it this year more than ever, more than ever with golf. Is we're we're starting to see a peak in the interest towards DFS golf or fantasy golf, where it's not like what what I did a couple of years ago when I first started playing fantasy golf was just basically playing like it was just for majors. Like nobody cared about like your West Coast swing, your Florida swing tournaments. It's like yeah, the four majors, maybe even did the playoff, the the FedEx Cup. But you would have a big tournament, and you'd have a bunch of your buddies, seven to twelve people, and you'd basically just do a snake draft, and and you'd pick who you wanted, and whoever had the most, uh, who had whoever had the best score total on, uh, to par after the four days got the pot. And I mean, it's like a little precursor to DFS golf that we play now, based on salary cap and all that. But it's I was just, about to say there was no salary cap, there were no tiers. No, it you was, picked who you I, wanted. And that was it. And but now it's like you have DFS getting more popular with all the sports. Like I'm, I'm even seeing play, people play League of Legends DFS. And so yeah, well, if that was my if COVID right there. That got me through. <laughs> right, and, League of Legends so, or Fantasy League of Legends? Which one? Fantasy you play League some... of Legends got me through COVID because I just had that. I had nothing else to do when my when my one year old was yeah, up. People are people are on DraftKings doing esports. So. Yep. Uh, where we're we're doing DFS <laughs> where sports. Where have I been? This is um, brilliant. Anyway, okay. yeah, as the sport becomes more popular on DraftKings okay. on FanDuel, you start to see those lobbies fill up. You start to see the contests worth more money, draw more interest. The bigger the dollar signs, the more interest, and it's a vicious cycle that DraftKings banks on. And now that we're seeing the lobbies getting fuller and fuller, we're starting to see the edges get smaller and smaller because you're getting more better players involved. You're getting more mathematical minds involved. The people that are people out there are gifted with spreadsheets, gifted with data compilation, and then being able to get people like us that know the game 
to process that information that they have at hand that they have no clue about because they don't watch golf. They don't care about golf. They're just like, hey, we just mapped out everything that's ever happened at this golf course over the last eight years. What do you do with it? It's like, well, I can I can model it based on the salaries. We can we can combine forces here, take the mathematical analytics that's basically just a whole ton of information, and we can say, hey, I like this guy at this salary on this course. And then you can build a you can basically build a core, a tight core of players that help you maximize your odds of winning. That's really all this is. Is just so, trying to find the highest odds that you are going to cash. So I'm dumb, we're dumbing it down for Joe Shit the Ragman over here who's just <laughs> still shooting from the hip. So when you say making a model, you're saying making like a model of a perfect, not a perfect, but a model of the most successful player for this course. And then you turn around to the field and say, who matches the model? I mean, is that the, 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 the long and short of it? And by the way, for anybody who does listen to this and goes, yeah, welcome, bud. That's, hey, that's DFS. <laughs> yes, I'm getting a little crash course here. Because I mean, I mean, you're right. It's just been the last couple of years. PGA Tour signed that deal with points bet, and it was it really, literally was overnight that all of a sudden um, you noticed that the announcers were talking about you know odds and you know long, who's long, who's short. Uh, and LPGA just signed, you know, they just signed an agreement too. I can't remember who they're with, but um, they just signed as well recently an, an agreement to do their betting and, and, and stuff. So, I mean, it is taken off. So, what are those like differentiators? first of all, what was it for football? I heard people would even look at like, all right, this, this guy performs this well under this weather on the road condition. I mean, like the type of hotel rooms they're staying in. If you can say it out loud, it's a thing. Yeah. Okay. See with golf, I usually keep it to like five key stats. Like that's where I, I try to find the five key stats that are going to show up the most amongst the winners or like the top five. Um, for in tournaments past, like within the last five years. So I, I narrow it down to those and then I create my model based on who, how the guys in the field rank in those stats throughout the season. And then as well, so like my model has, a, has, you know, five rows of key stats that are based on the entire season for every course they've played. But it also has another five rows based on those same five key stats, but on correlating courses. So courses that yeah. play similar as far as, green type as far as you know how hard the fairways hit and but but i'm going to interrupt you real quick but but we go we go as far to divide it by species of grass that they're playing yeah oh god because it's a grass bermuda yeah we're doing everybody loves saying poe they're they're, they're on the poe everybody putting on poe And, and by the way it's one of those things like i and, and that's funny because I pay attention to that too. Like I know when you go out West, certain guys, especially the California kids, they grew up putting on it. It is different. I'm a Florida kid. Yep. I grew up in North Florida playing, you know, Bermuda Bent greens grass. mostly and bent, sorry, <laughs> Bermuda fairways and bent greens. And it is, I mean, it's an eye opening experience. First time I played a, a course up in Mackinac Island, Michigan, which is Google it before you, you it's, it's the <laughs> middle of nowhere. It, well, actually it's the Island that is right between the lower peninsula and upper peninsula. Whole, whole long story. It's a lot of but trees. the grass, it, it tons of trees, but it was like putting on Poe because it was like putting on, you know, an acne teenager's face and it is a whole different ball game. Yeah. So, the, the, so that's the type of stuff because, because look, like, like Bo was saying with the way that the, the DFS field or the environment is for golf now, like you have to, you have to try to find the edge somehow. You got to look so deep into so many different stats in order to find a difference. And, when especially for golf DFS ownership and right the cut are like the two biggest things. Like you're not going to even minimum cash if you don't have at least five people out of six making the cut these days. Like that's just the way yeah. it is. Like there's enough people who are who are multi-entering who are getting six out of six that you know the last quarter of the of the the cash line is five or six cuts. So if you don't get five cuts, like you're pretty much done. I I was blown away because what was it? Two weeks ago uh, when Hudson Swafford won, yeah, uh, he was nowhere. He popped up on nobody's model everywhere, anywhere. Saying, some you people, know Hudson. yeah, but some but some people put him in because he had decent price. He had just as much upside as anybody else in that range. So I I saw people with him. He just didn't pop up in my pool. Yeah, and winner. That, but I cashed that week with four out of six making the cut because I had That's everybody cool. else that was in that top ten. I was say you need the whole top ten if you're only. Yeah, have you four have to just. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you only make four, you better make it the best four in the world. Yeah, you because, need at least one and two. <laughs> yeah, because I actually made more on that one than I did with some of my five out of six lineups. Uh, yes. But it was it was just 
dumb luck. I've never done that before. That's why <laughs> so, I, always, I always include DK points as one of my my key stats because it's yes. just it's now just too. Like you said, because everybody's doing it such a certain way, like you have to include DK points. You can't find an edge without it now. DK points right. translate for the for the rookie. So draft so DraftKings points. So like oh, okay. okay. DraftKings points Sorry. per yep, yeah, yeah, yep. per uh, per tournament. Well, per event, whatever per week. Uh, which is, I was just which, about to I was just about right. to ask you where do you where where do you source your your five data points? The Magic Five that you and and Bo, do you run a similar model with five points or three <laughs> points, or do you have a different approach? Um, I, I usually stick to three or four. I'm okay. more of a, like, I'm more on your side, really. I've been playing DFS for years, but DFS right. golf for maybe two. Yeah. And now okay. that I'm writing for it, I'm getting more into the analytics because I'm, t- I'm starting to see just by my own gameplay and results, like with, with team rise or fall that I contribute for, uh, writing a golf article every week, putting my core picks into the website, um, the, those are people paying members. Paying members don't don't want your BS. They just want the winners. Yeah, they don't and care about your gut. <laughs> no, they don't care about my gut, and they don't care about my feelings. Uh, <laughs> and it's gonna come down to you. Just want to have solid evidence to support the guys you want to put out there. So I put six or seven guys on my article every week. Yep. Uh, and even though last week I had four guys out of my seven. We're in the top fifteen. I had two guys miss the cut, and I heard about it. <laughs> yep, that's what's that's what's crazy about the golf world. Like, because the, the the thing is, the people who watch golf and play DFS golf, they watch it start to finish all four days. They know every single and and you're if you think you're gonna get away with providing for golf, and on a Thursday morning at eight a.m. after only five guys have teed off, you're not gonna hear about one guy who bogeyed. Already, like, on the oh yeah, hole. the discard chat's already ablaze. <laughs> oh, it's it's nuts. But you know what? It's fun, and I think that's what works to like DraftKings and like these sites benefits that the fact that golf is a four day sweat ties up our money for yeah. our money for four days, and they love that it, because because they they're gonna get people clicking on their site like crazy because they want to check. At one point, they're gonna be winning thousands of dollars, and the next point, they're not even gonna be cashing at all. And they just love those clicks. That's gonna help them. So golf DFS is perfect for those sites there uh there's actually there's so there's a uh, another golf site i write for stick and hack they and uh it's a and there's a guy who hosts co-hosts one of their uh weekly shows his name is keith stewart he's got 35 some odd years in the in the pro golf industry pga pro espn new york the whole bit picked luke list 90 to 1 outright last week and announced it announced it monday on the spot on the show like in road with it he's got a yeah so uh shout out keith stewart uh, he, but I was like, he, I mean, really gun to his head. And it wasn't like he just pulled it out. He goes, all right, I've been thinking about this one and I'm going to go with this guy. I think it's his time. Luke list, mark it down. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll stick with, you know, JT. Well, like you, like you said off the top and, uh, sure enough, poor will though, that putt speaking of putting <laughs> on those kind of greens. Yeah. Make, make your damn putts, man. Yep. And will's a good, <sighs> will's a good player too. Well, also that oh, begs the question. If we're talking about if we're talking about Poe Greens, like Tory Pines, they're literally perfect. It's like putting on a dance floor. Yeah, lightning. <laughs> but that begs the question: Will Will Z this week? You know, he gave the he gave the very, I guess you know the the the, the modern answer you would want to hear when he's like, "I'm on to next week." And you know, this happened to me when I I horseshoe a 15 footer in my Corn Ferry event, and I'm thinking to myself, "Yeah, that's what you're thinking about one point whatever no. million, not in your bank no. account." That's not true. I, yeah. yeah, I don't it, believe it. I don't, I don't know if you can bounce back like that at this level. It's Look, just, I, it's a whole... I'm, I'm fading well this week, and he's one of the ones that he's a fade for me because of his price. Considering the and, that, and that's where golf comes down to. So, like, will on DK well, is value is, exactly is ten thousand eight hundred on on DK. Considering I can get other guys right around the same price, who I feel more comfortable with, just just alone making the cut. Like I'm all yeah. all for fading Will, and I think because he was in the spotlight, because he's got two top ten finishes in the last two tournaments, two weeks in a row, I think he's going to be yeah. too high owned. And I'm going to no problem apples and that. oranges on the golf courses too. Exactly, they just played three rounds at 7,800 yard plus Torrey Pines South, which is up yeah, this bear. is le- less than 7,200. Yeah, this is Pebble. They stretch it to 7,170. Yeah. I mean, we're talking usually that plays to 6,850. From the tips, they stretch it for the tour. 
Um, It's still very short by tour standards. The only thing that can make this defense have defense to it is the weather, uh, which is going to be pristine. We're talking very little winds. Like the weather here is 65 and sunny every day the last month. So we're, we're looking at perfect weather, which means the greens are going to be a little faster and drier, a little crispy. But other than that, this course is ripe for the picking and it's short. So you're going to want guys that have a high birdie percentage. Like I'm looking at guys who don't miss their birdies when they come because par 72 on a shorter right. course like this is you're just going to be, you're going to be hammering Eagles on, on those, those four par fives. Yeah. Your approach shots are going to be like, so one of the key stats I have is that the approach shots are going to be within a hundred, 125 yards. And that should be nails or something. So it's going to bring into play a lot of guys that, might be immediately taken out of some turns because they're not long hairs. Mm-hmm. So, so your Kevin Kisner's, your Matt Kuchers, uh, your Russell Knox's, like these guys. Are, <laughs> Brian Harmon. Well, okay. So I almost, I almost highlighted him green. I looked at him like three different times because he kept popping up for me. I, I didn't bring myself to do it, but so we'll, we'll get to him in a little bit because I am curious to hear your argument. You could turn me on him. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think there's some value plays at, at play here that will go under owned uh, because of. One last, the last two weeks was such different tournaments that people are going to be playing off those. Well, like, look, we're still early enough in the game. Let's be, let's be real. A lot of people don't jump into PGA DFS until the Masters, the first major. That's yeah. when it really takes off to when you get your your every Joe Schmo out there who never plays starts to play after that point. This early season right now, you can still find that slight edge if you just put the work in. Yep, that's correct. So I got lots of. I mean, my first gut shot lineup is. Uh, most expensive guy I have is 9,100. So, I mean, we're looking at uh, lots of guys that are, are going to be under undervalued, under-owned, and uh, they have a great track record on the West Coast in general, and then especially at Pebble Beach. I'm looking heavily at guys who grew up in California. Exactly. I mean, yes. Somebody who's experienced with Pebble Beach itself, if you grew up in California and you're a professional golfer now, you've played Pebble Beach a 100 times at least. And it's it's a destination course for anybody who grew up in northern Southern California, and they had dreams of being a tour pro. Your dad brought you out there, and that was that was that. It was it was like it's a rite of passage to play pebble when you're a kid growing up with dreams of being a pro golfer. Well, you just you just nailed my childhood experience, except on the other coast. I I grew I well I grew up in North yeah I grew up in North Florida. I grew up in Jacksonville and Tallahassee, and oh, yeah. I was it was it was the early '80s. My my family actually joined TPC Sawgrass shortly after it opened because we were locals and it was really cheap for the locals at the time. And to your to your point, that's that that the stadium course is a rite of passage for the East Coast kids. Uh, I would say Augusta, but Augusta is much more like you're getting inducted into the yeah. Skull and Crossbones Society. And <laughs> you have, right you have no chance of playing there ever. Don't even ask. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, but but so I, I get what you're saying because it really is. As a matter of fact, uh, quick aside, and I think I shared this with. Um, the Brady bunch over on the other side of the screen, but uh, CPC Sawgrass, you mentioned, you mentioned Hudson Swafford or at the top of the show, the Hudson was in the eighth grade when I was a senior uh, growing up in Tallahassee. And he, he made the golf team as an eighth grader. And we actually had uh, my mom took us all over to TPC Sawgrass. It was like my, my senior year. We were, we were still members through the family. We loaded up a couple of vans and went over to play a uh, practice round before the high school season started. And I was a senior one on the team. You know, I, I thought I was going to be King shit the whole bit. Uh, I played, I played the course probably three dozen times at that point in my life. Like I, it's, it's old hat. Uh, and uh, sure enough, t- carded an 81 and uh, young Hudson at the eighth grader. I think he came in at 74, maybe 75. <laughs> And, uh, and he was and he was he was pissed. I remember because his his mom his mom and my mom were the two moms that kind of drove everybody over. And his mom was like, "Oh, he's not going to be happy with this." And I'm like, sitting there, "Like, we're taking people are taking pictures." Sawgrass, yeah, high, you know, high, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why yeah. so, yeah, I, I competed just... against Kurt Kiyama's older brother in high school. Yeah. And I was like, like he was the one for for Chico High, and I was the one for Corning High. And my average score was like seventy seven. And he comes in there, and, and we're playing these little dinky Muni courses in NorCal, and we 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 play a tougher one. Like we'd go to Auburn and play a dark horse, 
and I would shoot like 84 and I'd be like, nah, not bad. Right. I'll <laughs> like, hang on this, it. Is, this, this course is crazy hard. I mean, I wasn't a long hitter back then. You know how much uh, I'd kill for an 84? Kurt would get around at 67 on the, on dark horse oh, wow. and, or not Kurt, his older brother would. And then yeah. I was like, I graduated and I was like, and it was like, Kurt's like, no, you check out my little brother. He's been playing since he was five. I taught him how. And uh, he, he had a full ride scholarship by the time he was 16. That's and yeah. you, you got to just start so young. It's, it's, it's oh, wild with golf. Yeah. It's wild. It, and the, the tier, the tier change is tangible. Cause I'm still a pretty decent golfer myself. I, I can, I can, I can hold my own and I've got buddies who I was a teacher for about seven years. Teachers are easy to um, impress on the golf course too. And they yeah. say things like you should go <laughs> pro when are you going to quit your job. And I mean, even if I would shoot around par, I'd be like, you don't, it's, it's, I mean, it's tiger, forget tiger. Tiger's a whole different being, uh, Luke list, Luke, yeah. you know, Joe Schmo, Luke list. Your and corn fairy tour guys would blow your mind. Thank you. Know, you. On a yes. Me, yes. Ah, the, the, the lefty kid, Akshay Bhatia, my new favorite. I don't even know if that's how you say his last <laughs> name, but Akshay, I'm, I'm all in on, I'll, I'll take I'm it. all I'll in. Take it. <laughs> it's his birthday today. Happy birthday. Wow. You know your shit, Bo. <laughs> so, listen, you got to because if he's Corn going this weekend. <laughs> but you take those guys. We're not playing the same sport. Actually, and I, when yeah. we tee up, like we could be playing on the same course at the same. We're not playing the same sport, the same game. I'm, all. you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm thinking globally. Like I'd like to get around an under eighty, not embarrass myself, not get too hammered, and you know, he's literally thinking one shot at a time, perfection, every single one. Yeah, yeah. ain't got time for that. But it's fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, just watching, <laughs> just watching scratch golfers is fun, and then you get the tour level guys, and you're just like, all right, well, this is a whole different ball game. We're talking about multiple tier leaps here above and the best player you've ever grew up playing with with uh, with a tour pro. Um, that's what a lot of people don't understand is just how tough they make these golf courses. Like even on an LPGA golf course. You, there's no way you're breaking 100. You're going out there and you're going to get your ass kicked. And they're going out there and shooting 65, 66, and you're just like, oh, it looks so easy. And like, no, it's really not. Like you, your Champions Tour courses that are yeah. easier than PGA Tour standards, they're going to whoop you. And it's all typically in the greens. Everyone who's learning yeah. golf, they spend all Short their time game. on the driving range hitting driver. Short game. Putt. Go putt, go chip. That's chip, what I got to say. Get the pace. In. Get the pace. Exactly. Down. You got to get the feel of your putter. You got to. You got to know the difference with the way the ground feels on you. Like that's what you got. Sitting on a uh, one of those artificial mats and just hitting driver for an hour at a driving range, like that's not gonna. That's gonna get you off. the I'm tee. out of shape. I'd be winded by doing that now. Oh, I'm probably, I'm, I don't even. Yeah. I don't even break the beast out of the bag when I'm when I'm warming up anymore. I'm just like, oh no, I don't. I feel. I don't feel like pulling a muscle and then spending the whole time yeah. in the bar instead. Look, it's it's a game of finesse, and that's how you have to look at it. But all right, so so man, we've just been cruising our conversation here, and I love it. But I do want to get to some of our 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 picks and our fades this week before we we continue on with the conversation. So what I'm going to do now is, so I'm going to give you my the guy who came out top in my model, and I'm going to give you my top fade. So technically, price wise, my top fade is fade is Will Zalatoris, but we've already said that. So I'm going to give you my second top fade. So. I guess I'll start there. So my so my other top fade is Jordan Spieth at ten thousand three hundred. I am I am laying off Spieth. Um, he hasn't played enough this year f- to attack this course. Um, missing the cut last week is definitely a kill. Like and yes, he has good tournament history here. You know, two top tens in the last two years, and he won it back in what was it two thousand seventeen. Um, and technically, these types of courses are for him. But considering the just a little amount that he's played this year. And how much of a, a creature of habit and a, like a head case you can consider him to be? This is just not the tournament that I that I'm going in on Jordan Spieth in. Um, so, and at ten thousand three hundred, it makes my decision easy there. Like, there's, there's definitely guys I'd rather get to for cheaper or right around the same. Like I'd rather get to Daniel Berger for two hundred dollars more. Um, so, oh, yeah, for sure. so, so Spieth, Spieth is definitely a fave for me, and it, it's one of those instances where because of his name. He's going to be high. Like he's, there's no way Jordan Spieth is ever going to be under 10% owned at this point. Not After the possible. way he finished last year and his name recognition, like he's always going to be in that 13 to like 18 or higher percent ownership. People so still, people still aren't giving enough credence to Patrick Cantley. And oh, I know. That's that's the thing is he's 11,200, and I'm thinking I got dollar signs in my eyes because that price is going to scare every single 
like chalk minded person out but out of their gills, they're gonna be like, yeah, oh, Cantley is eleven two. Why why would I spend up on Cantley? I was yeah. like, well, it's, he's a perfect fit for this golf course. And I was just say that the guy's short game is immaculate, his ball striking is immaculate, and he's ice water in his veins, so the pressure is not gonna get to him. He's not gonna be looking around saying that's a pretty beach. It's gonna be it's gonna be yeah. business as usual and making all kinds of birdies and very few bogeys. So I mean, yeah, I'm I'm gonna spend up at Cantley, but he's not gonna be as owned as Speed just simply because you have nine hundred dollar difference between a rising star and somebody who's been a star for a decade now. Well, you just yeah. nailed it right there, marketing. That's it. And it's because Patrick Cantley doesn't look like Jordan Spieth or Brooks Kepka or have a hundred million dollar Under Armour contract yet. I mean, uh, you know, he he's he gives he's a him, technician though, man. One hundred twenty three point eight DK points per tournament. He's consistent. Uh, that's money. And the, it, people don't typically pay attention to consistency. And what's and what's kind of what I've noticed with the way that the DFS landscape is now with golf is that um, you can pretty much count on the number one price guy being underowned. So mm-hmm. if you know you have at least two or three like value guys in the the, the six thousand range or low seven thousands, just pay up for that top guy because I guarantee you're going to get him for under like fourteen percent ownership, and it's going to so, yeah. be. It's going to be a nice edge for the for the quality of player you're going to get there. So you're a studs love, and you're, you're a studs and dud subscriber. I like fading speed I am. for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, I mean his recent form is bad. So <laughs> well, so that so you so you nailed it. His recent form because um, because somebody I can't remember which one you said it a minute ago. He's he's a head case, but the way I like to put it, he's streaky. When, when he's yeah. on, yeah. When he, I mean, you can see the speed train taken off uh, most times. He'll get a, a top 10, top 10, maybe a T3 or a runner-up. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, see, what, what's the next big tournament? What's Memorial around the corner? Is He'll be this around the corner? That. He'll be there for that. He's yeah. not – He's and he doesn't get up for the for this. He's won it a couple times. But I'd be curious, when did he win it and how did he finish – I have in front of me. How did he finish after that in the, in the season? Did he win the Masters shortly after that in some of those years or any other tournaments? So he won. Yeah. He won this tournament back in 2017, and then he finished third last year in ninth and to the. Uh, I'm sorry, he finished. Yeah, third last year in ninth in 2020, and he hasn't missed the cut in five years. So, technically, this is what people are going to be like. Oh yeah, he's got the great history here and whatnot. But if yeah. you look at his recent form, if you look at the way like the way he plays in the beginning of the year, typically like. Uh, I, I, I'm not. I'm, I'll, I'll bet that he doesn't find his form here. Well, exactly. This is look. Pebble Beach isn't the course that people find their form on. It's no. just not. So it's a it's a stay hot course, not a get hot course. Exactly. So so that's why Jordan Smith is for the price and for the name is just an easy fade for me. And I and I do love the Patrick Hanley play because, like I said, I think he is going to be under owned for his price. And look, you, you got to pay that price, but it's you know when you got it's not, other guys. Terrible. No, it's not terrible. And you get you get some value out there. And when you got guys like you know. You know, you drop down. You you pair him with someone like a Seamus Power at ninety four hundred, who's been playing great right now, and he actually lines up at this course pretty good. Like it, it just makes too much sense to go with those two at the top or something similar like that, and then drop down to a high six thousand guy, and, and you roll with I mean, that. I'd rather have Tringali than Power, but that's just me. So when's I, it going to happen for him? Oh well, and that's the thing. Tringali is a guy that I love to cheer for. Like I love rooting for the guy. I, I like his play, um, and I wanted to work out for him. Ninety five hundred for Tringale for like for how it's worked out for me in the past. That's the only thing that scares me away from. I'm not sure I've seen him this high price in a while, if ever. And leverage, leverage. Well, and it could be leverage. You're right. And he's a that's guy a that spatula like, worth. That's a whole. That's like that's five spatulas worth of leverage. Is getting a guy who loves this course. But he's coming has, off a, a third place finish last week. So you think he's going to be higher on than normal? I don't know. He didn't win the whole thing, did he? He no. did not win the whole thing. But like we've and been he's saying, been marked people, up. People he's been marked up. Power got marked up too. Yeah, uh, Power did the, get marked up. The one that's really taken on a big jump in salary is Maverick McNeely, and that's yeah. that's going to be a tough decision uh, because yeah. he's so hot. Um, he, we're talking he, Maverick is on fire right now, but I him and Power just it's tough. It's a tough sell for me over a guy like Tringali who's going to be lower owned, I think, than both of them. 
Uh, yeah, I don't. You know, you, you could be very right there, and I don't disagree with you there because I do like Trent Galley. And yeah, Maverick McNally actually came out ranked number one in my model this week. You know, fancy it, fancy talk models. It, I, know, it, I know you don't like. I don't even really like that bud, but no, <laughs> no, he's actually well, he's models. actually models. models. <laughs> he's he's actually one. He's actually one of those. The, the pedigree fits a place like for him to break through at Pebble. He's finished well there a couple times already. Um, he comes Fantastic from a when I, what yeah when I say pedigree, I mean he's. The guy was bred. The, he was one of those bred to be a tour winner. He, you know, came out as the number one amateur. He's got the name Maverick McNeely. I keep going for that marketing edge, but there's a reason that successful golfers get these kind of deals. Except for Patrick Cantlay, that's going to break through. Well, but, yeah, his name but, is Cantlay. Yeah. <laughs> and then you See have a guy there. There from Ireland named Seamus Power. It's like it markets himself. It's like Seamus well, is, Sh- is one of my one of my is one of my my picks this week just for the fact that he's been playing well, and I want to be able to root for a guy named Seamus. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie that that you know it, it, it helps when the uh, the shtick off actually works with whatever the odds are saying. But Maverick McNeely was a name that I wanted to fade just because I think I've been burnt by him in the past, uh, buying the name, buying the hype, and, and everything. But I think I might actually go with it this time because eventually. The kid's going to break through. He, he's a really, really, really good iron player. And yeah. again, at this, accuracy matters. So he's a yeah, blue chip. A, I mean, he's a course that lines he, up for him. It does. So, so a couple, a couple value guys <clears throat> that showed up in my top ten as well. Um, well, Russell Knox, who has three out of the last four years, top 20 finishes. I love that. He's his one, his one not top 20 finish was a cut and he missed the cut at the Amex and didn't play last week. But he's, (laughs) (laughs) don't you love that? Yeah. (laughs) But he, I love Russell this week. Uh, Yeah. He had a seven place finish at the Sony and he, he winds up well for this type of course, you know, with his iron play, with his putting, um, you know, he, he, that 100 to 125 range that I, I mentioned earlier, like, he kind of nails that. He, he he's he's throwing darts at that point, and so so I like Russell Knox a lot this week, especially at the price of seventy eight hundred. He's a guy who could easily finish top ten this week and easily pay off your value. Yeah. Quick, quick, quick question for you folks with the with the DK uh, lineups in front of you. <laughs> what it, no? What it, what are they what are they valuing Kisner at this week? I just haven't pulled up my homework. So Kisner's at nine nine thousand. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the that's it for him. That is that's what I was about to say. If it starts with an eight, you got my attention because he is yep. that damn good. When, when when you're talking about a pitch and putt, you know, one fifty in, he's one of those guys, and he admits it, right? T twenty makes a lot of money. Oh, that's yeah. why he plays the longer courses. Um, but that's he's one of mine that I still, again, I'm a sucker for loyalty. The dog in me wants. Also, I think he's got a chip. It's a President's Cup year. He just did that little interview a little while back, chirping the Ryder Cup and the quote unquote politics behind it. And I, I do. I think it's funny. He's like, yeah, it just doesn't work out. Look at his match play record. Look at his President's Cup record. Mm-hmm. I, I like a guy like Kiz. I think he can win at a at this place again because he's that good from one twenty five, one fifty in. Um, but he's playing but, good right now too. He's got two top tens so far this year. But the but as far as a dark horse or a longer shot, uh, I'm just one of those people. The greens out there are tiny, right? And as yeah. Bo pointed out, they make it impossible. And so who's scrambling? And I'll go blindly just to the stats and say who's the longest shot on the around the green. Jim, I mean your favorite player, Bo. Jim Noose, K N O U S. Everybody has him, right? But if he's <laughs> yeah, the number one, right. listen, if, if if he's number one stroke screen around the around, strokes gain around the green, if you is got it a noose couple, or is it canoose? I think it's canoose. <laughs> I think it's I think it's canoose. I don't think he would want noose hanging around his neck. Um, oh, but but the Colorado School of Mines uh, grad. Uh, you know, go buffs. No, but seriously, to, to that point, somebody who, somebody who can chip and putt around the greens. Why not? It's a it's not a weak field. There's no such thing as a weak field in the PGA Tour. We've established that these guys are just too freaking good. Yeah. Um. But I like. Them. But it's a go but Jimmy. it's a good point there's to make because horse. it's a good point to make though because with the smaller greens, you know, there's going to be instances where these balls just roll off and you're going to have to chip on just uh, you know on the edge of the rough or the fringe or whatever. Um, so it, look, it is an important thing to look at for sure. I, I, I'm behind that stat right there. I'm fine but, with that. And specifically bunkers at this place. These guys will yeah. dump it into bunkers on purpose because they know they know what they can do. And I, I mean, it's a whole different thing. It's yeah, better it, than the hard pan. Um, just right in that same area as Russell Knox is Michael Thompson, who's got an incredible track record at yeah. Pebble Beach. 
Um, it seems like he's rounding into form right at the perfect time for this West Coast swing to hit Pebble Beach. And I'm looking at that price. I'm looking at his track record. I'm looking at his recent form. And I'm not finding many reasons to not put Michael Thompson in one of my lineups at 7,900. That's, I mean, for me, that's just, okay. that's easy math. That's, that's like, okay, my, the golfer in me says, okay, he knows Pebble well. He plays well here every time. And the analytics back it up. Yeah, Michael Thompson is someone that I, I usually love to play as a value. So I 100% get that play. And considering he's around some names like Lucas Glover and Charlie Hoffman, Denny McCarthy, some names who are a bit more well-known than Michael Thompson, you know, I, I love that as possibly an edge play there for sure. Uh, I'm a fan of that play as well. And Streelman plays well here too, but the analytics don't back him up. <laughs> but but it is so, and that's the thing when you, you have your model with all the analytics. Sometimes you got to read between the lines. Like sometimes yeah. you, you got to see like like oh hold on, there was someone on here. So okay, this is gonna this is gonna be someone who's freaking no one's ever heard of. I guarantee. Mito Pereira, <laughs> guy went nuts on the guy went nuts on the Corn Ferry Tour last year, and he's top ten yeah. top ten strokes gained approach. He's actually a pretty. I'm gonna say a hot dark horse. Like, so what? What? So this is one of those instances where you read between the lines because he shows up lower, kind of lower in things because he's never played this course. And typically, Pebble Beach is, isn't a type of course where you want to play someone for the first time ever ever touching the yeah, course. Yeah, but it's also a tourist but, course. But it well, and exactly. So he may not have ever played it on you know in a competition, but he's probably played it before. And the fact that he he comes in at top 10 in both strokes gained approach and on par force 450 to 500 yards. Like that's Pebble beach right there. And and he's actually playing for, he's got three top 30 so far this year and, and three out of the last five tournaments. So he's a guy, look, look at 8,300. He's probably higher priced than someone you would expect for a name that you, that isn't really well known. He would I was going to say he's higher priced, but the name thing. Yeah. yeah the name, but, but, I, but still, because no one knows that name, he's even at 8,300, He's not gonna. He's probably gonna have like seven percent or lower ownership, and, and that's for someone who could go out there and attack this course and surprise everyone. That's a nice little possible edge to have. Well, that's that's kind of the thing is Pebble Beach isn't exactly a shot maker's course, despite its length being shorter. It's it's target practice. You're basically you're not having to plan your approach too often. You're basically okay. You have a set landing area. Just don't screw it up. Like yeah, the guys that get inside their own head, get distracted. They're the ones that screw up a pebble. But if you just pretty much say, okay, it's right in front of me. There's only a few blind shots of pebble. It's usually on the front nine. You get those weird elevation changes. But yeah. other than that, pebble beach is right there in front of you. You just have to hit good shots. And yeah, so the ball's not like, even moving. But I haven't played pebble myself. I've been to pebble, but I haven't played it. But I'd like from the video game. Uh, I, I played I played many rounds of Pebble when I was yep. a golf salesman at Copeland Sports way back in the day. I played Pebble every day on the simulator, and it's it's basically I, it. A, I mean it's as realistic as you could possibly get because you get to the course and you're looking at the course in person. You're like they didn't change anything. It's like this is yeah. dead on. Like all you have to deal with is the wind at times and then just the hitting good quality shots from sometimes weird elevation changes. Um, yeah. Other than that, this this course is right there for anybody who just has seen it, has studied it. So any any tour player is going to know what to do on each on each hole. Yeah, you just got to hit your putts. That's what you got to do. Make the damn putts. Make the damn putts. So okay, so so who, do you guys have any other key fades? I know we've talked about Will, we've talked about Spieth, but and we've talked about a lot of guys we like. But who are some guys that, especially at the higher price range, that, that we're looking away from? What, what do you guys think? But we'll go to you first this time because I, I see you're looking excited there. <laughs> it, it, I, I think it's almost it's almost a personal bone to pick with Matt Kuchar. I don't I don't know why his name gets. I, it, it's I, I honestly think it's a dirt. It's the vacuum of the top twenty that's there. And and I okay another fun fact. You, two things you said Lucas Glover a minute ago. My sister went to middle school with Lucas Glover. Fun fact. <laughs> Um, even it, even Hayes grew up in Florida, right? <laughs> that was actually Greenville, South Carolina, when oh, I was there for seven years in between. But even fun, even funner fact about Cooch, and this is why I feel bad about it, is his sister Becky. My my sister was one of her uh, maids of honor, so she's oh, wow. met Matt. She knows him and everything. He's a nice guy. I, where's he been? I just don't know why his name always gets brought up with this, other than the fact that what we're talking about, he can do is just sit there and lazily flip a little wedge and then go up with that 
awkward bent over putting stroke. And if he's on, you know, he'll roll him in. But now nah, I don't buy the cooch hype just because I don't think he, I could be wrong on this, but I don't think he had the best Hawaii. And that's actually a place where he's done well in the past. And I kind of, kind of going with, going with that pattern. So there's my, there's my, there's my, uh, I would say headline fade. So I think the cooch hype comes from the fact that the man is just a cut machine. So he's like a safe, when it comes to DFS, he's just a safe play. Um, like if you're just trying good. to, well, yeah. So like, I, I, I think he's one of the guys who's made the most money on tour just because he never wins, but, but he's always like top 30, top 40. He's just making paychecks every week. He's making the cut, making paychecks. And so he, he's made a nice living. So I think from a DFS standpoint, he's just at this point known as a safe play. But if you're looking to win, a, you know, a, a GPP, he's probably not going to be a play because he's not going to give you the upside you need. He, he's going to give you that yeah, safe play. DK but points. DK yeah, points are important. He's going to get you pars and a couple birdies, and but he's he's not going to he's not going to hit your upside for you. So I I and you're right. He usually does play good in Hawaii, and he didn't have that this year. So maybe it's a sign of things to come for the year, for at least for this week. I don't disagree with that. Like, so Kucha was someone who I had on my list of someone that I liked, but just because he's a fat, you know, if I was playing cash games, he was going to be a safe play. And that's, that's really the only reason why I had him on my list. So Bo, do you, do you have any other key fades that, that you want to hit, touch on? And I mean, just guys that I'm not going to be as heavy on, like there's, I'm going to usually I start with a pretty wide player pool, 35, 40 guys, and then I'll narrow yep. it down to, 15 to 20 by the time we lock. Uh, Same, yeah. And so it's still pretty wide. I'm casting a wide net at this point in the week. Um, but when I when I write my article tomorrow, it's going to be the art of trimming it down, paring it down uh, to getting my best plays in the pool so that I'm not just spending money and depositing more. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I'd probably agree. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick might be a fade for me. He just doesn't score enough DK points for his $9,200 yeah. price tag. Um, He's also just not playing well right now. But I'm just not going to – I'm not interested in spending over 9000 for a guy that I'm going to get more points from a guy that's 1000 less. It's – it's. Uh, I'm not going to have zero Fitzpatrick. I'm going to have a little bit of him. But it's like it's gonna be like five percent, ten percent instead of thirty to forty for my best plays. Yeah, you say that. I would much rather play Denny McCarthy over Fitzpatrick this week. That's the exact thousand dollar lush right there. So, real quick, Bo, question for you and your experience. Uh, you said earlier, and of course, ownership, ownership. Everybody wants you want the dark horse. You want the the, the shiny thing nobody else saw. You want to find the Easter egg. What is that kind of percentage that, you know, again, I'm going to go back to my example of Joe shit, the rag man. That's my alter ego sitting on the couch, putting his lineup in five minutes before the first tee off. What is what, what, like, what can somebody be like? I'm proud of that. That was a good pick. Nice, nice value ownership. Cause every once in a while you got to take your medicine and say, and take some chalk, right? Everybody's going to take them, but you got to get them. Oh, yeah. So what does that leverage look like in single digit percentage? Um. I I'd say anything under twelve is considered leverage. Oh really? So if you're sitting single digits, okay. Sorry. Yeah, your top play is going to be fifteen to twenty five percent owned, and your like like uh, last week was crazy. We had John Rom at the very top as a best play. He showed up everywhere and as the best play, and (laughs) you could you could you could still make money with him even though he didn't win the tournament. Um, He still ended up being an optimal play because he makes so many birdies. Uh, but he was coming in at 25, 30% owned. I still ate that chalk because he was in 40, 50% of the optimal lineups. Uh, for me, the le- best leverage play that I came up with last week was Billy Horschel because he was coming in at 7% owned and he was like sub 9K and uh, 8,800. And he came in there and he was pushing for the pushing for the trophy all the way through Sunday. He came up a little short, but he scored a ton of points for you. He started his started his day on Wednesday with back-to-back birdies. And I was like, Oh, Billy Ho's ready to go. Let's go. Let's go. Billy saddle shoes. Let's go. He's the, he, he's the, yeah, the sunshine kid. Um, I mean, he's the, he's the university of Florida equivalent of Matt Kuchar, right? He's, he's won a FedEx cup. He's won a handful of tournaments. He's won a WGC, you know, he had, he doesn't have a players to his name players. I'm partial to, you know, Kuchar got his where, I mean, that gets him into the PNC challenge, right? They even give those, those little nods, but Billy Ho is one that, after this, after as many years hating the University of Florida as I have, um, 
I kind of like Billy Ho a lot. And you na- you nailed it. It's the shoes. I dig the shoes. Anybody who holds that. Yeah. You pull off saddle shoes on the tour. You, you get It's like Payne Stewart with the knickers. Uh, that's, that's, it's just, it's an, it's a timeless look that nobody else is going to try. And Speak, speaking of nobody else trying it, did anybody else notice that Bryson has slowly, but surely sneakily gotten away from the flat cap? He's been wearing a lot of ball caps lately. And I don't know if that's. He also needs I, I, to learn a short game too. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. Do you, do you so, get such you a waste. Put, the, put the short game in your bit, in your ball cap? Cause that'd be great. Such a waste for the power and talent he has. Like if he could just round it out, he'd be unstoppable. Absolutely yeah. unstoppable. There's a there's actually I'm, I'm, I got a funny unofficial story about the the winged foot U.S. Open that he won. I've got a, a friend who's in contact, uh, and he he knows some folks over at the USGA and whatnot. And I guess it was some there was a maintenance issue the night before uh, hit the final round. Did you hear about this, Bo? The truck? Um, no. There was apparently apparently there was there was an issue with a truck and a uh, a all I heard from him because it was all I was allowed to tell and of course now that I'm just broadcasting it between us three girls and the internet um, <laughs> apparently there was an issue with the a, a truck a sand bunker a prepping the course and a tea time approaching really really uh, short I'll try to actually see if I can get that sussed out and follow up for for next time. <laughs> You've, you've piqued our interest. <laughs> well, as as I well also as I wade deep as I wade deep into the familiar territory of don't want to t- don't want to talk out of school. I know these people and just want to make sure I'm not you know. But when when Bo started nodding his head yes, I was like shit. Is this this is public knowledge now? But no, <laughs> no, but I don't think so. <laughs> we'll do so, more investigation at the U.S. Open this year at Brooklyn. Now Bryson's got too many oh. storylines of controversy around him for me to singularly pick one out. Be like, oh yeah. I remember that. I was like, no, he's, every every tournament he's leading or close to the lead, something happens where yeah. there's a bending of the rules or there's an ignoring of the rules or there's something around uh, being the honor of the game. Like you call penalties on yourself. Well, no, not Bryson. Bryson doesn't do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Look, Bryson would... does what Bryson wants, and he he hits the ball really far. And that's that's pretty much he's the he's basically trying to turn himself into Happy Gilmore of the era and it's it's kind of working i mean he's he's a little bit of a bad boy he's also just kind of insufferable as a person so anyway what you gonna do is like he's he's, he makes it hard you know he makes it really does he makes it hard to appreciate the work that you want to appreciate hitting the shit out of the ball getting kids into it getting involved in it um and you know what i'm sure bryson would hear this and think but it really strike him it's like you know it's like just stay Stay in your lane. Let's how about let's put it that I'm way. You know? So honored that you think Bryson's going to hear this. <laughs> he is. He's he's gonna he's gonna tune in. He's gonna come back next week and he say, "Tell me more. What, what did you mean by stay in your lane?" I, w- I was just say I I still like Kepka better even with blonde hair. I was oh the blonde hair but I was very I've always very much been team Kepka over team Bryson just because I thought Kepka's responses were just so much more entertaining. I identified with Brooks a little more being a Florida kid myself. I yeah, actually did that. We all did that. We bleached our hair in like junior year in high school. The baseball team did that. We did it before yeah. Eminem. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah. back in the nineties, early two thousands, when it was cool. The, the freak. <laughs> for for the first of all, it was never cool. Um, no, no, we, 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 we did just, it anyway, though. That's why. Yeah, I had we, we, we were caught at the end of that one. <laughs> uh, but no, we were we were never cool. The fucking nineties. Coming, we're coming full circle. We started the show talking about talking about uh, age. <laughs> well, we started talking about fantasy and the age before the internet. You know, newspapers and only four golf tournaments a year. And so, like Bo, when you're when you're doing these lineups, when you're doing your models, when you're, I got two quick questions. What you've referenced lineups? How many lineups will you submit in a weekend? I mean, are you? Because I. I mean, I, you, I mean, I hear you want the an honest answer? <laughs> I want an answer that you feel comfortable giving. There you go. I, I still feel like it's it's. I'm not a I'm not a 150 max kind of guy, and I okay. do see the ability for that to be easily optimal still in golf. If you have the time to crunch out or or use some kind of mass multi entry uh, spreadsheet to get 150 unique lineups out there. Um, I don't have time to do that by hand, or I don't really have interest in doing that through the the avenues that I have ability to do that. It, it so gets boring really I, fast. <laughs> I start I start with like forty, and then I actually pare it down to fifteen to twenty, just like 
same number of core golfers I have, I'll, I'll have the same number of unique lineups. Well, and to be clear about this, this isn't because, you know, this isn't you and your buddies, you know, busting each other's balls, you know, saying like, oh, big man, have it. You're trying to make money. You're trying to win. This isn't, yeah, people, yeah. this isn't, I mean, I'll say it, you know, I, I do this for fun mostly. And, uh, you know, it's, but I'll, I'll submit a handful of lineups if I, if I'm, if I'm in it with my buddies, but like what you're saying is that's just fascinating to me. Cause I know like in the old world of fantasy, no, 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 set it and forget it. One lineup to rule them all or else you're not a real player. All right. F, F your decorum and whatnot. Get out of my face with that. I'm trying to make some money. Yeah, I mean, it takes a supreme level of arrogance to enter one lineup into a whole bunch of tournaments and say, oh, yeah, I got this. <laughs> the eagle yeah, butt. It, well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same way that I that's the same way that I shoot a DM into what's her face's Instagram account. She's going to call she's going to call me back as I raise my ring. So finger up. I was gonna say- <laughs> you know what? My wife heard that and she's like, yeah, good luck, buddy. Go ahead and shoot. Those yeah, DMs. Shoot, shoot your shot. Just let me know when to pack your bags. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm the I'm the same way. I'm like a I'm in that like 15 to 20 range for lineups. I was just about so to ask the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever 150 max a, a tournament before. Same thing. It's just it. it, it so it one, it sounds like either one takes, of you are offended by that. It's just it no. just takes a lot of time. So it takes a lot of time to do. And also, I think you reach a point where, sure, you might hit that one that's gonna win it all out of 150. But I feel like the more you get different with 150 lineups the more likely you are to just break even like <laughs> i just feel like like when you when you really narrow down and do your studying for like a, a core player pool of like 15 20 people and you and you build 15 to 20 laps around that core and if it works out to the way your research was right you're much more like much better odds to profit that, that's the way i've that's always right. looked at it and and you can get away with it because there are so many good 20 entry max tournaments and that's it's kind of the sweet spot is yeah you can throw throw some throw some quarters into the quarter jukebox or the mini max Mm -hmm. just for fun throw some darts out there but i usually just i'm already trimming it down to those 20 lineups anyway to put my best 20 in the 20 max tournaments max those out and then throw those same 20 in the the big multi-entry ones just because they're they're the same lineups and i just i want to be able to win a bigger sum of money if I hit. Yep, hundred percent agree with that. So we got so we got about roughly five minutes left here. So I want to before I give you guys a chance to plug yourself, I want to ask just one kind of fun question. So, so what is the strangest thing that's ever happened to you on the golf course? And, and I'll start us off here because for me, I was playing with you know just the guys were out there playing, and there's a par four dog leg right. There's a the pond right at the right at the, the turn, and uh, so my buddy hits it off the tee. It's a good shot. We just can't find the ball at all. And as we know, it just made it over the water. And we're starting to look in. We found a freaking turtle with a dent in its shell dead. <laughs> and we, That's not good. And we couldn't find the ball, but we said, you know what? That ball hit that freaking turtle. You know, this, this like four-inch turtle on this fairway somehow, he nailed it, killed the damn thing, <laughs> and the ball was gone. Like So that's like one, like one of the few, like, one in a million shots you never think would ever happen on a golf course. You, you crush a turtle, like that. That that was fun for me. But I'm curious to hear, like, what's some of the strangest, one of the strangest things that's happened to you guys? So you want me to go first? Sure, go for it. Um, there's a course right out here that I play all the time. It's uh, Yoshidihi, which is uh, it's a casino resort course. Really, really pristine year round. They, they do everything perfectly. They, they they want people to come out there, spend 120 bucks for a greens fee, and they take care of everything. Literally nice. every detail. They clean your clubs after the round. They do every like everything you can picture a perfect golf course to do. They just do it, and everything is always good. Well, it's in the middle of California. It's in the middle of these. It's on a Indian reservation, so there's lots of native grasses that you are literally not allowed to even look at. Uh, and the golf carts have GPS in them, and if you drive off of the beaten path, oh, the golf yeah. cart shuts down. I've seen that. Like before. it literally <laughs> shuts down. We go from ten miles an hour to no miles an hour if you mm-hmm. drive off the cart path, and you can't walk the course. It's like seventy nine hundred yards anyway. You don't want to walk the course, and there's crazy hills and mountains and stuff, but. You, I, I was first time I was playing the course when we first moved here. 
I'm driving down the first tee, which is called Eagle's Nest, and it's a 70-foot elevated tee down to a 440-yard par four. Really wide fairway, really awesome to watch your ball just cascade down and carry and carry and carry. Well, I'm going down this golf, this cart path, and I don't even leave the cart path, but it malfunctions, and it says, get off the native grass. And <laughs> on the screen in the, in the GPS, it's saying uh, native grass, and it's like all of a sudden it powers down. And the starter is still at the top of the hill, and I'm at the bottom of the hill, and I'm trying to yell up at the starter because it's 70-foot hill. I'm not running my fat ass up there. And <laughs> sure enough, I yelled, and the starter looks down the hill, and I was like, dude, this thing just stopped. <laughs> and he goes, oh, you're going to have to push it back onto the middle of the cart path. And so that's what I did. Is I, the I just, dead middle? Just, just teed off, and I had to push my cart path. I literally moved only a couple feet to the left side of the cart path away from the native grass side and it started up again but uh, <laughs> that's wild i've seen those carts like that where they they set it on days as the the 90 degree angle rule and they set it so uh-huh. where if you if you don't if you drive onto the fairway at all like it's yeah. the same thing it just shuts off it's crazy it's uh, it's borderline fas- fascistic is what i'm saying i don't <laughs> I don't think that should be legal anymore. I got a, a quick one for me involved that involves wildlife, actually. Two, one, a buddy, a playing partner of mine, killed a rabbit uh, before a tur- before a tournament this past summer. We were on the putting green, and he was practicing his chipping, and I, and he tried to hit a flop shot, scold the crap out of it, bing, knocked a rabbit out. And, and oh. a, lot, a lot of people saw it, and it wasn't pretty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> flop shots on the rain on the on the practice screen. It's, it's, well, it's we, sometimes. Well, that's what we, it, 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 we're like, Jim, you're what, and he was, I mean, he had it all fluffed up. He was going for it. It was just nasty. But um, no, I mean, just growing up in Florida, I've more than once seen gators, you know, on the golf sure. course or around the golf course. But one particular time I, I grew up playing a course called Golden Eagle in uh, Tallahassee and 17 and 18, 17 is a long par three downhill to a peninsula green. And then 18 is just off to the side. And the tee box for 18 is, a, is an island. And there's a little walkway out to it. And um, I, you know, I hit, I hit my ball in the bunker on 17 and I'm on the left bunker. And all of a sudden I look up at about 20, 30 feet away was a gator. I mean, and, and it wasn't too startling. It was like five, six feet, which, you know, it was that far away. And when you grow up in Florida, you learn real quick. They, they don't, they don't want to mess with you. Just stay, steer clear. They will let you know if you're getting too close and, you know, all that stuff about zigzagging and running, just, just know that they're fast. You don't, they're fast. You don't stand a chance. So that didn't bother me. I hit my bunker shot, you know, go up. I probably, I probably hold it. Let's be honest. And, uh, yeah, might as well. So we, we go to 18. I walk, I walk out on the tee box for 18 and I, and it's a long par five water, you know, all the way down to the right. And I just go straight up John Daly and I try to rip it. And it was sweaty Florida and the club just flies right out of my hands out into the water <laughs> forward. And I immediately look back and sure enough, there's, you know, Skippy sitting there sunning himself and I'm looking and there's my Callaway Big Bertha Warbird, 11 degree with a firm flex shaft, just bobbing in the water. And I look back back and there's my old man and he's looking at it and he just goes, not buying you another one. (laughs) Dive in there, swim out, grab it, swim back, you know, sitting there staring at the gator didn't even move. Probably was asleep the whole time, but still. The gator's probably like, what a dumbass. It was probably a fake fake when the course put there to scare away the geese. I I, I was thinking, I was thinking old man was going to be like, you know what? It's just a golf club, buddy. Come on in. We'll, we'll get you another one. He's not buying another one. Yeah, seriously. As Kevin Hart would say, you're going to learn today. That's that's three pounds of ground veal. (sighs) I love it. I love it. So, well, but I want to I want to give you guys like quick thirty seconds here to plug yourself because we are we're, we're slightly over time here, so I want to make sure we wrap this up. But uh, but Bo, I want to tell us tell us where uh, where everyone can find you. Where where's your kind of your regular place? So, so go ahead. Man, I'm everywhere, but uh, everything kind of narrows down, funnels to my Twitter, Bo underscore McBigTime. Uh, pretty much everything I do in my life is on Twitter, so yeah, just go there. Um, I write golf PGA DFS for teamriserfall.com. Uh, it's subscription based, but it's the, the tools and models that we're using as a team. We're, we're four for four so far this season, just huge profits. So um, uh, the, the, the team over there, myself, including, I, even though I look like big bird at the boardroom table, sometimes because I'm more old school and less data analytics than they are, 
um, it's it's still a lot of fun because the the tools they give me as a DFS player are second to none. Um, and then Fantasy Pros just hired me to be a featured writer for the football offseason. So uh, look out for some uh, prospect profiles and and some upcoming Debbie and Dynasty work for Fantasy Pros. Love it, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's phenomenal. Big Bird at the boardroom. Big, <laughs> big time. Mick Big Bird has got to be a segment you come up with. Um, what do you got? No, I don't know. Play? Well, I mean, you can. You may or may not be able to find me on the Divots and Pivots podcast next week. Uh, but if you can't, we'll see. you can't find, if you don't find me there, uh, this buds for you and don't sue me Anheuser. I put an E on there. It's a golf thing. This buds for you, both Twitter and Instagram and uh stick and hack stick and hack.com. Uh, I write the, I write feature articles for them. I write range articles. It's basically your intersection of golf and life. So when you're taking a break from your daily fantasy, uh, you know, podcasts and, or modeling, and you want some reading or some culture, check out stick Awesome. Well, thank you guys both for being on. This was a fantastic episode. I want to shout out Belly Up Sports uh, at Belly Up Sports at Belly Up Podcast, um, as well as if you like the the intro music. Uh, the band name is called Hunting Accidents. You can find them at huntingaccidents.bandcamp.com. Uh, local friend of mine, great stuff. Uh, they got, they got a lot of good stuff on there. So that was just a little clip from them. Um, but you can catch this show again on Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. on TikiLive.com. Just search for the Belly Up Sports TV channel. Uh, we have 24 hour seven sports on that with all of our podcasts, all of our radio shows. You can find us. We have a new radio station called Burns as well. So uh, check us out. We're everywhere. We're coming fast. We are everything that that uh, that everyone else is not so uh check us out thank you for having us have a great night guys lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details hi i'm maria and i'm mike and we're team, team ready, ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.